morning. If you're surprised to see me up here this morning, not any more surprised than I am. Uh, Josh uh, texted me yesterday afternoon and said he wasn't start. He, he was beginning not to feel well and wanted to know if I could be prepared. And so about 6:30 this morning, I got the official notice that I would be bringing the message this morning. Fortunately, I've been preaching for about 15 years and have a folder about that thick of of sermons for such an occasion as this. But fortunately, uh, God's Word is unchanging, His truths are unchanging, and uh, we could preach something from the Middle Ages and it still would be relevant and true to us today. Uh, this morning we'll be looking in the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. We'll begin in verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, where life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us that we, uh, which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Let's have a uh, word of prayer. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Father, the fact that Your Word is unchanging. And uh, Father, when we are in times where uh, truth is, seems to be uh, relevant, Father, Lord, and but Lord, it's your truth always remains. And Father, we th- uh, thank you for this time. Father, we pray that uh, we would uh, leave this morning, Father, um, with a wanting to grow in our fellowship with you, to grow in our relationship with Christ, and to grow in our love for each other. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If, as a church, there's typically there are some basic things you want to look for when it comes to have characteristics, when it comes to having to being what we would be considered a good church. Uh, the uh, three of these can be uh, is a first of all would be a foundation in the Word. The second is how you serve and worship God. And the other is building a strong relationships with your brothers and sisters within the church. And those things are very important and they are not to be taken lightly. They are all very important things to building up a good church. But before we can do those things, before we can build up a church that is a quote-unquote good church, a church that serves God, a church that glorifies God, it is of the utmost importance that we have a right relationship with God as individuals. Think about it. If we don't have a right relationship with God as as individuals, how difficult would it be to have the characteristics of a good church? And this morning, here as we look at First John, many times when we think about this book, we may think it speaks to us about the security 
of the believer, of the assurance of our salvation. And it does, very much so. But even more than that, it tells us how we can have an intimate relationship with God. You may talk about God, you may know about God, but do you have that intimate relationship with God? And you can, and that's what really a lot of this book that John is writing to the church is about. Now, the, the introduction to this book may sound familiar, and that's why uh, I asked Bert to read uh, the beginning of John's gospel. He opens his gospel with very much the same way. He, he has given this physical evidence of who Christ was. And have we ever felt some, from time to time in our Christian experience that somehow our life is not fulfilling? Somehow we may think that we are missing out on something in the Christian life. We get caught up in the routine of Christianity. We go through the rituals of what we think it means to be a good Christian. We get caught up in the regiment of service. One of the biggest um, mistakes we Christians make is when we're missing joy and fulfillment in our lives, we try to counter that by doing more. We try to get more involved. We try to become more faithful uh, to our jobs, possibly like in the church. We may add another job in the church. But work and service, as great as they are, as, as we are commanded to do those things, those are not a substitute, are not meant to be a substitute for our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, with our relationship with God. We can have more jobs, we can do more religious things, but if we're not growing in our fellowship with the Father, you will continue to feel this lack of fulfillment in your life. It's that intimate, intimate relationship with God that so many Christians are missing out on. Now this here, the, the author, this is the beloved John. This is the John that 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 uh, that leans on the breasts of Jesus in the upper room. This is the one that was part of the inner circle of <coughs> the uh, of the inner circle of the disciples. This is the John that was at the the foot of the cross, who saw Jesus, the Son of God, die. In his gospel, he was establishing the deity of Christ. He was establishing that Jesus was God's son in the flesh. In John 20, chapter 31, he says, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, <coughs> the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So in his gospel, he's telling us how to have a relationship with God 
But in his, in his epistle here, he is telling us how to have fellowship with God. And, uh, but before we can have a fellowship with God, we have to have a relationship with him. And so in this letter, again, John is writing to a church, so he's making some assumptions here. So he's assuming that everybody he's talking to already has uh, that saving knowledge. Uh, of, uh, but now he is saying that they need to cultivate that relationship with him. And so um, fellowship is usually a word we use to describe our interactions with each other here in the body of Christ, but it also applies with our interaction with God. Two, in, two, in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. So he refers to them as little children. He is saying, you have already been saved by the grace of God, but you need a deeper relationship with God. A relationship is no guarantee that you'll have an intimacy with God. You have nothing, you have nothing to do with your salvation, but you have plenty to do about your fellowship with God. This morning we this morning you may already be a child of God and that's wonderful and and that's great and and praise God for it. What I'm asking this morning, though, is not only do you have a relationship with God, but how is your fellowship with God? As a Christian, are you growing in your relationship with God and experiencing that intimate relationship that, with God that saves you by His grace? That's what a Christian life is all about. It's not just saying, I am saved, and just leave it there. It's about growing in grace. It's about growing in knowledge and love with our Savior. It's about uh, getting to know Him. It's about sanctification, growing toward holiness. It's about experiencing God in, in fresh and exciting ways every day by faith. As we walk with Him. That's where we have to be careful not to get caught in a trap of doing things for the wrong reasons. And we have to be so careful when, you know, we have to, when we, when we approach the Word and our daily Bible reading, I think one of the greatest traps, because I know I'm, uh, I'm talking to myself here, is just to do it just to say that you did it to get to make a check mark, not to approach it with excitement to see what God's Word has to reveal, but to say, oh, but to stay on pace to read your Bible in a year, which are great things to do. I, I remember a few years ago, I, I had never read through the Bible in less than a year. and so I, uh, so I was determined about the last week of December, I was going to finish it. And, that, and I did it. I read it like a book. Not just to say that I finished it, not because I, I wanted to really get into what God was showing me, uh, showing me in His Word. If we look back here in verse 1, 
Let's ask the question, can we fellowship with God? And so, John here is saying that we need to know the person that we are trying to have fellowship with. How this person that makes Jesus, how it makes fellowship possible. I know what I am. I am a sinner. I have rebellion. I have a, an urging towards sin just like everybody else does. So here we are. We're all rebellious. We stray, and then there's God. And He is so holy and righteous and so pure. How is that a holy and righteous God could have fellowship with depraved sinners? Friends, I tell you, God did not change so He could have fellowship with us he changed us so we could have fellowship with Him. And it's only possible because of Jesus Christ. In John's day, there were these people called Gnostics. And uh, an agnostic doesn't think he knows anything. A Gnostic thinks he has superior knowledge and that what these Gnostics were telling these people in this church that John was writing to was that Jesus really wasn't a real person who roamed the earth. He, he's, he, that he really wasn't the Son of God. They were saying that Jesus was an angel, that he was a spirit. But John was saying, no, that is not who Jesus is. Jesus is God. But not only is Jesus God, he was also a man. And it is the man that makes fellowship with God possible. For, you know, notice here in verse 1 where he says, that which was from the beginning. John is telling us that Jesus Christ is coexistent, eternal. He is co-equal with God the Father. That doesn't mean that Jesus had a beginning in a manger in Bethlehem. Jesus is the eternal Son of of God. There was never a time when Jesus did not exist. There was never a time when Jesus came to be. John is saying it is possible to have fellowship with God because you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. He not only tells us in verse 1 of his eternity, but also of his time of earthly appearances. Again, in verse 1 he says, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands. John is qualified to talk about Jesus because he was an eyewitness to all that he did. And he has given us an account of who Jesus was and what, uh, and who Jesus is and what he did. By this time, John <coughs> could possibly be the only remaining apostle uh, uh, during uh, this time that he wrote this. So <clears throat> we see this why it is so important that John's really emphasizing this. He says, which we have heard. John was there when Jesus spoke. Uh, I can imagine John sitting down and listening as Jesus taught <coughs> the Sermon on the Mount. As Jesus said, 
you know, when you picture him sitting there, Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. John heard that. We can picture John sitting there as Jesus tell them he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the scribes and the chief priests. John was there in the upper room when Jesus said that it was expedient that he should go away so the Holy Spirit could come. The verb there in for we have heard is used in a way in the original language where Jesus said it in the past, but the message is still ringing in his ears. John is saying he hasn't forgotten anything that what Jesus had what Jesus had taught, what Jesus what he had heard from Jesus and what Jesus had said. It's a continuation. So not only does he say he has heard it, but they seen him with their own eyes. Jesus excuse me, John heard Jesus teach with authority. Not only did he hear him, but he saw him with his own eyes. He saw Jesus calm a storm. He saw children sitting on Jesus' lap. He saw Jesus transfigured before his very eyes. John was saying that this is the Son of God. He was saying, I've seen His humanity. I've seen His deity. This is the same Jesus that makes it possible for us to have fellowship with God. In today's society, we have people saying yes to God and, and no to Jesus because they want to make God into their own image. They say that apart from Christ, uh, they say that they believe in God but don't believe in Jesus. But the Bible says we will not know God apart from Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. That's pretty straightforward. John says that they not only heard and saw Jesus, but they looked upon Him. In the verse 1, you would think that maybe He's is exchanging words when He talks about seeing and, and looked upon. Uh, it says, which we have seen with our eyes and which we have looked upon. And it may seem like He's just using, he's just using a synonym, but that's not the case at all. Looked upon here, in this case, means to look intently. He means to contemplate. So John just not only saw these things, he contemplated all that he saw and he heard. He not only saw the miracles, he looked at Christ closely, and John is saying he is standing in awe of what he saw and what he heard. Next we notice he says, we have touched with our hands. When Jesus appeared to the disciples after the resurrection, he showed them his hands. He told them to touch him. John is saying that he looked, 
that he heard, he inspected, and he touched Jesus. Because of this, we have relationship with God. We can be as intimate as we want to be with God by his grace as we grow in him. But we cannot do these things apart from Christ. He is a person that makes fellowship possible. But it is the proclamation that makes possible in the things that we see. We can look at mountains, the stars, and the moon to see God. But God had to become a man in order for us to know him personally and intimately. Move on to verse 2. It shows how we can get to know God. John said, he says that uh, this life became manifest or that it became visible. Friends, God does. He wants to have that relationship with us. He saved us by His grace. He wants to grow in that relationship with us. That's why He saved us, so that we can have that relationship, so that He can be glorified in it. God wants us to have fellowship with Him. God did not shout out from the throne to simply, I love you. It was nothing that... Instead, He came in the womb of a virgin and His Son was born and He said, through that, I love you. It was nothing that we did to deserve it. It was something that God chose to do. God is telling us He wants us to have a relationship with us that is only possible through His Son. The Holy Spirit inspired them, these men who wrote the Bible, to write their experiences down so that we could have the Word of God, so that we can grow in our grace, we can grow in our relationship with Christ, so we can have that fellowship with God. And John gets repetitive here in these last few verses because that way, back then, the writers during biblical times, they, that's how they emphasized things. They would repeat things. They were trying to say, pay attention to this. I'm going to keep repeating it, repeating it. So John is establishing his and the other apostles' authority to come and, and, uh, and, and all that comes from the fact that he was with him for three years. If we come across repetition, we must, we must not take it lightly. Uh, you say, oh, well, he just said this like last chapter. No, let's pay attention to it. Let's not, let's, not, let's not take it lightly. We must tell ourselves this is important and find out why this is so Important. Why is this? Why is God getting trying to get this point across to us? Notice here in verse three, it says, "Seen and heard that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you." He's saying we are reporting what we have seen to you. How can we have fellowship or relationship with God unless He declares it to us through scriptures? That is what's happening today. We are learning from the Word of God. That we can know Him, know, not just about Him, not to be just slightly familiar with Him, but you can know God and have fellowship with God. <coughs> you know, you may think of, you all, oh, I've got my salvation. That's enough. Let me ask you parents and grandparents a question. Is it enough for us just to have a ball up? biological relationship with our children and our grandchildren. We want that personal intimacy with them. God is mostly 
same way. Yes, God saves us. But there's so much more to it than just salvation. I'm asking you this morning, do you have that? Did you once have it and do you question it now? Do I still have it? When you die, you will go to heaven. But do you right now feel that you have that fellowship with God? Here's another question. Are we even yearning to have that fellowship? If the first thing to make it possible to have a relationship with God is the person of Jesus Christ, and the second is a proclamation of Him by the revealing of Himself to man, then the third is the purpose. The purpose of God doing those things is to have fellowship with us. Fellowship in biblical days uh, is meant to have things in common, to share, it meant to have common ground. Fellowship is a sharing of life. Let's make one thing perfectly clear right now, though. How, however, God doesn't need us to make Himself complete. He is already perfect. He is already complete. But we need Him in order to be complete. It would be wonderful if we could travel back in time to see Jesus work. What it felt like to be on the boat when He calmed the storm. What it felt like as He used a boy's lunch to feed thousands of, of people. What it, felt like to see walk, what it felt like to see Lazarus walk out of the tomb at His command after four days. But you know what? We can't have that feeling. That's why He's given us His Word. That's what fellowship is all about. When the, when the winds of trials and hardships are blowing through our life, we hear Jesus speak peace to our heart. John is saying that this time He spent with Jesus, you can have now. God is not punishing us because we were not fortunate enough to, be, to have been born when Jesus walked the earth. We can experience that same amount of fellowship. Jesus Christ can be as real to us now as He was to John then. If Jesus is not very close to you this morning, if He doesn't seem very real to you this morning, let me say this kindly as I can, it's not His fault. There may be personal sin to deal with in our own lives that we have to force ourselves to look at. It may be some strained relationship we have with somebody else. He wants to walk with us. He wants to have fellowship with us. If it's not happening, it's not because He doesn't want it. Finally, here in verse 4, he mentions joy, not happiness. He says, And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Notice that not only says we have fellowship, but we also have joy. 
that it might be overflowing. Or he did not say that your happiness might be full. Give me a million dollars and I'll be happy. Give me a good doctor's report and I'll be happy. Give me good children, good behaving children, and I'll be happy. Give me a better job, I'll be happy. Friends, happiness depends on what happens to us. This is not what joy is. Joy does not rely on our circumstances. Joy has nothing to do with how good your spouse treats you. It has nothing to do with your worldly success. It has everything to do with your fellowship with the Father. When we have that, we have an overwhelming sense of joy. If I were to ask each one of us this morning, individually, if we would like to have joy, I feel confident that each one of us would say yes. But are we willing to do everything that we can in order to make that, to do that? Are we willing to confess sin in our lives? Are we willing to alter our lifestyle? Are we willing to change our attitude in order to have that kind of joy? God has done everything possible in order for you to know this kind of joy but are we willing to do what it takes? Are you willing to do things God, God's way? Because if you don't come God's way, you don't come at all. It all boils down to two question. Number one, do you have a relationship with God? It's first and foremost, things we have to take care of before we have fellowship. If not, please speak with one of our elders. God may be in the process of saving you right now. God has provided a way for you to have a relationship through His Son, Jesus Christ, through the shedding of His blood for your sins. It is a gift of God. You cannot earn it. The second question is, do you have fellowship with God? <clears throat> Many of us who are already believers may need to take a, take a new fresh look <coughs> at... Uh, <coughs> Commitment to have fellowship with God. Maybe, you know what? Yeah, actually, no doubt in your mind that you are saved. But is your fellowship at where it needs to be? Ask for a prayer from the elders, people in your life group. Finally, pray fervently for yourself. There can be no change within us without the, without the divine, sovereign presence of God. Get to the Word. Let's strive to put away the worries of this world. Let's put away rituals for the sake of doing rituals and get our priorities back on track and return to our first love. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, first of all, Father, I... Father, forgive me. I confess, Father, Lord, I, you know, just forgive me of the sin in my life that has hindered my relationship with you. Father, I know I can do nothing without you. Father, I pray for your love and your mercy and your grace. Father, I pray for all of us, Father, Lord, that you would show us things in our life, Father, as 
difficult as that may be for us, Father, that we need to look at. That, that sin in our life, Father, we may not even realize is hindering our relationship with you. Father, thank you so much, Lord, that we can have that relationship. Father, I pray that we would grow in grace and in knowledge, Father, and, and holiness, Father, not for our own sake, but to bring glory to you. For I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.